0: sitting here watching golf on the other screen.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Before we begin, let me ask you a question, Jaylen. What? Do, do you think this is going to be short and, you know, succinct, to the point, pithy, or do you think this is going nope. to be a rambling mess?
0: It'll <laughs> be another thing that we always typically do.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Listening to the Dumb Will Speak a podcast, in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dumb Will Speak. I'm Roy. I'm Jaylen. How are you doing today, Jaylen? Uh,
0: good. It is the first hour back after daylight savings time, so.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Boy, that oh it just killed me. I went to bed early last night because I knew today would be hard to face if I didn't uh, with the had to go in and do music practice this morning, an hour before Sunday school. Then we did Sunday school and you did a good job on that. And then after that, we had to do uh, the actual song service.
0: Butcher the daylight out of that one. No,
1: no, no, it was good. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, And then, uh, and then pastor Tom, preach. He'd been gone a few weeks, and it was good to have him back. He preached, and he started on Jude, and I need to talk to him. I want to see if he'll give me permission to post that, that uh, sermon. I know he's told me in the past that I could post whatever I wanted, but I've never done it yet on him, and I think I will on this one. I thought it was that oh, good. You did, you, no, 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 you did post him one time, didn't you? Maybe. I can't remember. It would be in our bonus episodes if I did. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, I'll have to come back and look, but I'm almost positive you did. It was back when he was in Towards the end of First Peter, I remember talking to him. He was like, Roy, if you really want to do that, I don't know why you would want to post me. But if you want to do it, you know, yeah, you have my permission. It, He's very humble. It, it, He's a very humble me. man.
0: Seems like you did. I don't know why, but I, I may be wrong. But I sure I sure thought you did. I, I may be wrong.
1: You know, he was our second guest. And you realize how long that's been now? Our first guest was Jonathan and then yeah, we and then yeah, we and then we had him, him on way back before, uh, like in around Thanksgiving or so of 2020. That's how long it's been since Tom was on here, I believe.
0: And hey man, we've got to call Gabe. I've talked to Gabe several times, and we've got to get Gabe back. I have talked to him, um, which they all just got back. Uh, yeah, we really didn't talk to him because he just got back from Shepherd's Conference.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd also hey, like to get his take on, on one of the subjects hey, we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so they had just finished Shepcon,
0: so we need to get uh, Gabe in to talk about that because, you know, MacArthur's been out of the pulpit now uh, for several months when he had the heart attack, I'm thinking, if I remember right. He had the stinks. Yeah. And he, he preached a very short sermon. Uh, I have not watched it yet, but it was at the end of Shepcon. Uh, not very long message, which he, he actually, the only thing I heard him say is, he was coming back before his prescribed time. Uh-oh. Uh oh. So I don't know when he's actually supposed to be back or scheduled to be back. Now I don't know the in depths of that. And that's a not a national issue, issue. that's a local body issue. So, uh, but right. nonetheless, it would be, you know, uh, good to talk to Gabe about his first hand experience with that. Oh,
1: because yeah. Because
0: he's kind of on the trenches of that, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, and I'd be curious too to get his uh, opinion on uh, on one of the subjects we're going to cover today. Um, but you know, since we've last recorded in in, in fe- for the month of February when we recorded then a few weeks ago, a whole lot happened within a week or so of posting that episode, didn't it? You know, it seems like um, well, two two things in particular that we will cover today. We're going to discuss it is. Um, for those who probably already know, but Saddleback, Rick Warren founded church in in California, was uh, disassociated did he by found the that S. Or did it- Pardon?
0: Why did I think he just grew did that? Did he found that? I don't. For some reason, I thought it was there, and he founded it. Maybe I may be wrong
1: though. Most of the articles that wrong. you read about the church says that he's the founder from ni- nineteen eighty. It says he's the founding pastor.
0: He really did try to usurp Christ in all ways, shape, form, or fashion. Even founded that church, huh?
1: Well, that's, I'm that's...
0: facetious. I mean, but we know I have major problems with yeah, Rick theology. Boy, no
1: doubt, uh, no doubt. You know, he had he had decided to step down. Of course, we've already discussed what he did last year at uh, Southern Baptist Convention. You don't know when he claimed he, to have he
0: also installed a husband wife. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, go a ahead. A husband wife. Right. Team and her title is co-pastor. Yes. So,
1: and, and that that's was the, the start show. that turns out to be the issue that uh, the uh, SBC grew a spine and recommended their disassociation. Which I'm shocked they did. In fact, we had said, and I think when we discussed it with Pastor Gabe, he pretty much agreed with us that they probably wouldn't do anything because a lot of money, a lot of influence, a lot of clout with Rick Warren out there in the in the greater world of evangelicalism, and they wouldn't want to lose that. And apparently they decided to go with the, you're not actually following what the Baptist faith, the message says you have to be in order to be affiliate member of the convention. And so they let them go. And uh, rightly so. I mean, you and I are going to just say that right out. If you don't follow the very minimal guidelines that the SBC has in order to be part of the SBC, obviously you should be disassociated. I agree with that on any denomination, even if the denomination is in heresy and wrong, they have a right to associate or disassociate whoever they want as members.
0: Well, I'm going to read part of an old article. It's actually from September 28, 2010. Okay. It's Al Mohler on why he changed his mind on women pastors. Uh-huh. Because I guess he was really kind of straddling the fence on the idea. Uh, I'll kind of pick up midway through the article. There came a day when Carl Henry was here on campus in the Providence of God. It ended up being my assignment to be his host. I believe this is back in the 80s when this is going on. It was an incredible privilege. He was already a mentor to me, but his writings, I had, I, I had been anchored in orthodoxy and inerrancy as his books had an influence on me. At one point, it was my responsibility to get Dr. Henry from one of the campus to the other. As I was walking him along, he brought up the issue of women in the pastorate. He asked me my position on the issue with the, the, I'm sorry, I'm getting my, uh, with the, the instance of youth, I'm getting, my eyes were getting ahead of my mind. With the <laughs> incidence of youth and the stupidity of speaking more quickly than one than on, I gave my position. He looked at me with a look that surprised me, said to me, one day this will be a matter of great embarrassment to you. Because at his time, his position was, he didn't think it was clear on it. And it gets to the end of the article, and he basically stayed up all night trying to search scripture went to the library spent all day and he said actually the next day was the day of embarrassment for me that i realized my position changed just that one thing that guy didn't try to convince him just literally said one day that'll be a point of embarrassment for you wow and that let him just search the scriptures
1: i'll I'll always give moeller credit for he tells you when he was wrong on something changes his mind that's what i've always liked about macarthur too yeah well and and other people that I think that have a lot of integrity, people such as James White, if they change, if they ever do change a position or they soften on a position, they'll tell you that they have. They'll tell you that they have. Now, granted, White's theology has been about the same since the 1980s, with the only major exception is his, is his drift away from a loose affiliation with amillennialism towards postmillennial. Now he's pretty much as reformed postmillennial, and he's firmly in that but camp. He he's firmly in that camp.
0: Not in all millennialism before, I mean,
1: no, he wasn't. That, that's the whole point. I know. didn't even know he was on millennial until there was a there was a Q and A show a few years ago, where someone asked him. I might have been 2017 or 2018. Someone asked him about his views on eschatology and why he never speaks on it, and he says because I've never given it a whole lot of thought. It's never been a primary function for me, and because of that, I do know. I will tell you that I moved away from dispensationalism. That's what I grew up in. I left that, and that's pretty much. He said, so if you want to know what I am, I guess you could basically say I'm an millennialist," And that was all he had to say about the subject. I never really heard him speak on it until he went firmly in the camp of postmillennialism.
0: And now he's and, and, and you know, I don't think somebody like Dr. White is not going to do a position uh, loosely. He's going to do a position where he knows what it is. If he's going to stand in that corner, you know, an amillennial, like you're saying, was not a corner that he was just. Right. Standing and and he still I don't think would fight you over a, a for me I've always said this it's a tertiary issue for yeah. me personally anyway
1: yeah I I'd, mean I'd say it's secondary yeah. overall I mean I think it's important yeah. enough that you should know what you believe and why you believe it uh, I believe that but I don't think you should ever when it comes to fighting over it I think it's a tertiary issue yeah it's something that just let's keep that yeah. on the outskirts of we can still uh, function. As the family of God, and not have everything simpatico. We don't have to be simpatico on every single thing. Um, But the saddleback thing happened, and then uh, a fellow that we ain't mentioned in a long time. You've mentioned him a couple times, and I have a couple of times. I think we mentioned him mostly when we talked about baptism. I think our first episode in our series on baptism. I think we brought him up a little bit. uh, Was uh, the passing of uh, Dr. Michael? Yes, that's right. He was. uh, He was a um, distance learning professor uh, i guess all of his classes were probably online at liberty university and also i think midwestern uh, B- uh baptist yeah. seminary
2: uh, I, don't in, I believe
0: in, in liberty i believe
1: yeah yeah dr michael heiser which we recommended once his naked bible podcast just, that's not that title just kills me the naked bible podcast um long running what eight or nine years of, over 450 episodes. I don't remember the exact number. Although I should, I could easily look it up on my phone because I listened to an episode this week. They put one out on March the fourth, um, where it was just his co-host Trey, who always introduced it as, "He's the theologian and I'm the layman," and then, uh, "I'm the layman and he's the theologian." He would he would give a pause and Mike Mike would say hi. And then he would continue doing his introduction. Trey was the guy that did everything. He ran the uh, he ran the podcast as far as recording, editing, engineering, uh, making sure it got put out. He's the one that he hosted it essentially, and he read the questions on the Q and A stuff. And he would often have questions of his own when Mike was doing teachings. Heiser was on uh, First and Second Samuel, and he was in the middle of it. And uh, I know I knew that episodes had gotten more sporadic because he was always a weekly guy, and then he stopped being a weekly guy. And then um, in January, you showed me his face. Was it his Facebook post? No, Twitter. Was it Twitter? Okay.
0: No, no, no. It may have been from my wife's Facebook, actually, now that you're right. I was thinking you it was a Facebook
1: right. post because it was longer. Yeah. It, it was more like, yeah, a, almost like, a, it was like a page or, or so of, of material in which he talked was about. the.
2: Yeah,
1: it was very in depth where he talks about his cancer. He was in stage four of pancreatic cancer. And that he knew he was dying. They had told him in January that he had days to weeks to live. And they weren't wrong because on February the 20th of this year, like I said, not long after we posted our last episode, he passed away. And I I looked up his, um, I just looked up his Wikipedia page just to see if it would show his birth date and death date to confirm. Although I'd already heard on the podcast the day he died um, because I listened to that podcast earlier in the week. And when I knew I wanted to talk, mention him, I wanted to, because because there's a reason, there's there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to talk about him. One, you and I used to listen to those, those early-ish episodes of his from several years ago, probably like 10 years ago or so, um, were really, they were short, and they were really cool, because they were, he would just talk about a doctrine. Maybe it was baptism. Baptism was one. Well. Yeah, maybe it was baptism or inerrancy of scripture or something like that, and he would just talk about it, small bites. 15, 20 minutes an episode, he'd post one a few days later, and he just did that back and forth, and he would just do it as long as it took to get through the subject without hitting you with an hour or an hour and a half each time. And I found his insight, his stuff to be sort of insightful. You know, and I I don't even think when I first started listening to him that I understood that he was an Old Testament scholar. I also didn't understand how controversial that he has been. You know, I know James White has criticized some of his beliefs, Others have as well. You have other people like, like friend of James White, who uh, different ball camp when it comes to a uh, different ball team when it comes to overall like ecclesiology of church. Michael Brown, who was uh, saved at a Pentecostal revival and has since stayed in pretty much the Pentecostal holiness charismatic camp, um, as far as style of worship, And yet he's pretty conservative in most issues. I would, never, I would never call him a liberal. Michael Brown is about as conservative as it gets on most issues. In fact, even though he's not a Calvinist and has debated white on um, election versus on free will versus predestination, at the same time, they have in turn acted as a team and debated atheists, one is Pentecostals, and lots of other people on some very serious issues of, of the faith and also of morality, uh, homosexuality and all this other stuff. And uh, Brown and White get along. And, of course, White's been criticized for his friendship with Brown. Brown's been criticized for his friendship with James White. And and, th- and I'm bringing all this up because I think this is um, probably even more than the Saddleback issue. This is the, this is the subject I'm most interested in in our conversation today because – I've learned to glean what I can glean from Dr. Heiser and ignore the stuff that I don't really necessarily agree with or I think he might be falling into error on, so long as he doesn't cross the line into heresy. And I did find no, a way. Wh- did you read The uh,
0: Unseen Realm? I did not. I did, did not. Did
1: ever read that? that was, no, and you know it's a bestseller. did kind the of last I
2: didn't re- big publication.
1: Yes, it's actually a bestseller, and I didn't realize that that it had sold that well because I do remember. That when the book was brand new, I remember when the book was brand new and he was talking about it on his podcast. I forget now that it's been that long since I've been listening to him, but, um, um, uh, you know, and I don't listen to him regularly. I hadn't for a couple of years, but I was still listening to him when we started the podcast in 2020, I kind of slacked off and by about 2021. I'd, I had dropped him and a couple other podcasts, but I later went back to uh, subscribing to his feed and I would just find episodes here and there that I would just listen to his stuff on Acts was really good you and I both liked his his walk through Acts the book of Acts if you recall if you remember that I think that's the last full book of the Bible that I ever stayed with on him was the book of Acts I thought he did a good job on it
2: for those of you that
0: do not know, Roy has an OCD thing with having too many podcasts in his <laughs> podcast feed, mm-hmm. and he deletes those that he doesn't listen to, and he deems to be out of the count that he needs, including our own show he has been known to delete before, uh, just to pull out of the feed. Uh, uh,
1: so there you go, Leon. So I don't get too many updates to and, and feel overwhelmed. You know, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, he gets overwhelmed, and then he tries to listen to them all. So he just, you know, I mean, it's when it's, we went to a cold spurt, he just undone us, just
1: unsubscribed. Remember anyway, a, a couple of years ago when I right. got a, remember a few years ago when I got obsessed. I got Hulu for the first time, and I got obsessed with the the old show Twenty Four that from about twenty years that ago. That's how you talked about. Yeah, and I talked about it a lot. Well, I got obsessed with it. I watched all eight, nine. Seasons, however many it was, including the movie and the the made-for-television movie and the little miniseries that came out a year or two later, I watched all of that in just a couple, in just a few months, two or three months. binge watch it. Me and my wife both. We we just we were like, wow, I, I never knew this show was this good, and we just binged it. Well, I get that way sometimes with certain podcasts. I'll get obsessed and I'll I'll listen to fifty or sixty episodes of a podcast, then I wear myself out on it, and I just can't listen to it for another year, you know. <laughs> Well,
0: and and see, I do. I'm bad about that for for a while because I, mean, I still love him. One of the my favorite ones to listen to is Todd for but I have to take breaks every now and then because me too. And the reason being, if they're every day, I get overwhelmed. Yeah, you know the ones that are once a once a week, once every other week, I don't ever delete those, unless unless RC Spro and the people at Ligonier come out once a. I think it's once a. I think it's daily. I think. But they're 20 minutes. Yeah, they're short. You know, Frill was an hour. You know, Frill was an hour a day. Yeah, that's true. And
1: that's a big commitment. The <laughs> only
0: thing I miss, I miss there. Now, I do miss, oh, what was this Phil Johnson segment? Too Wretched for Radio. Yes, on now, Fridays. That is yeah. no longer
2: there, but no. that
0: was my favorite thing of anything they did was Too Wretched for Radio.
1: Yeah. And, and and I miss his original uh, co-hosts the uh the one was a lutheran the one was a presbyterian the younger guy was a presbyterian and, joey. huh was it joey joey and then the older guy who was who was a, who was apparently a radio announcer and dj from way back uh who was the the lutheran those with those three together you know but then i think it, because uh todd had moved to georgia i think the distance and stuff they finally just decided that instead of doing it I guess kind of like well the way we often record, which is through video chat. They just decided that there was a, something missing for him not having someone in studio with him, and for whatever reason the other guys departed. And I don't think the show's ever been the same. And I think that was way back what in 2020 or 2019. Well,
0: yeah. the, the other weird thing about it was there was two new co-hosts to come in, and if I'm wrong on this, they may have entered, and then
1: one disappeared. Yeah, like they said he was sick. And then he never came back. And that was during COVID. It was 2020. It. It, I was right about it being 2020 because then they were on for a few months. And then all of a sudden, the one guy was just gone. And he's, and, and I guess as far as I know, because I quit listening in, I think, January of 21 or February of 21. I haven't, haven't gone back. I still watch a few. I'm subscribed to his YouTube channel. And I'll watch occasional videos. But I mean very occasional videos of Wretched on YouTube when he has a subject I want to see, uh, some comment he's made or something. Then I'll watch it. But uh, very small doses for me when it comes to Todd Frill anymore, because like you said, it's just too long, and because you're a daily show, you get very repetitious. Um, he has certain things. He, well, we have certain things we like to cover. He has certain things he likes to cover, and it's almost like it's it's. I got other I got other sources where I can get the same information much shorter. Maybe maybe it's not the same. You know, it might be from a different point of view. But I just sort of had to move on from that one. Um, I still do the briefing with Al Mohler. Again, he's short. He's never more than twenty-eight minutes. But I've also, Jalen, I haven't told you this, but because of the fact that I have so many uh, podcasts now, and I have about four or five that are either daily or weekly, that I have to uh, listen to them at one point five speed in order to get them all done every day. <laughs> I'm. Yeah. I've not listened to one of our episodes since Gabe. Gabe's the last one I've listened to. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm to say to that. See.
0: It used to have, you can meet the staff on there, on uh-huh. that website. Now I'm kind of wanting to know, oh, jeez, he's got a pop-up. Ugh, I'm out. Well, Ugh.
1: so anyway, the, the the problem with, the, 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 the thing about why I think M- Mike Kaiser is something that we could talk about was the importance of having discernment, but also having a recon- recognition that the church might not always look like we think as individuals, that it should look. You know, we may have our own opinions formed on the basis of, let's be honest with it, with ourselves and with each other. They're based on tradition or a gut instinct or a personal opinion or or preference. And we've talked about this before when it comes with music or other forms of the service, how people will just totally get get disgusted and disagree with each other and they'll, they'll pick a different church. They won't stick with their church anymore because of maybe a change in the style of music or whatever. And if, look, if it bothers you that much, then I guess move on. I, I'm not big on church hopping, but if you, if you can't get past it, if you can't stand uh, anything except, um, uh, you know, amazing grace and how great they art, then you, you may have to go to a different church. I understand that. I may, I may sound snotty or, or, or rude by saying that, but it's just, the facts that people from our generation, Generation X and younger, are, whether we're right or we're wrong, I don't know. Because you have some people that would argue with this that, well, your music is too light, and therefore it's not, it's not actually deep enough theologically. I would say depends on what music you choose, because there's plenty of good, solid, theologically-based music out there, and sometimes it turns up in the strangest places. You can find a good song that is released by someone like Hillsong. You can. You can find people who are either very theologically light or very theologically liberal or whatever and actually find a good song. That doesn't take away from the song. You know, I've, I've mentioned this before and I'll mention it again. If you, if, you, if you talk about the song It Is Well With My Soul, understand that the author of that song got involved with wife swapping and a whole lot of other stuff. Later in life, after, after writing that song, not before, after writing that song, he and his wife basically formed a cult. The, the, woman, the wife who survived the, the shipwreck and storm that cost them their children's lives that led him to write It Is Well with my soul. And we should never forget that. It doesn't mean it's not a good song, but don't forget that it can, it can come from a bad place. And in that situation, I think it came from a bad place. It's a bad source, but it doesn't it doesn't take away from the beauty of the song. James White's talked about that before. I believe that very song on the dividing line, talking about being in a church where they sang it. And they sang it a cappella, and it sounded so beautiful. He said, but he was still reminded that the author of the song was was uh, was was wrong, corrupted, perhaps a heretic.
0: Well, look, if I, if I were to go through and throw books away about people that were, you know, "Quote unquote sinners." I don't want to say heretics or anything like that. I'd have to throw every book in this library away. The one behind
1: you, you'd have to throw away. Yeah, you want to know why? All written by sinners. You'd have to throw away our podcast and never listen to it again. Why? Because Chaylen and Roy, especially Roy, are sinners. Sinners saved by grace, but sinners nevertheless. I but, mean, but, but my, my, it,
0: it, you know, I can't.
1: Well, the, the the thing about Michael Heiser is the the whole um, what, what is it? Divine counsel interpretation of of Psalms. I can't remember the psalm that it is. It's the whole divine counsel thing. It comes from psalm. It comes from um, one of the books of the kings. And it comes from, um, or maybe it's chronicles. And it comes from, I think, Isaiah and He's not the only one that's done this, but they build this theory of interpretation about how each nation had its own god, et cetera, et cetera. You can call it a principality, a demonic force, a whatever. But God with little G. His whole point is that if Jesus says I am a je-, if God says I'm a jealous God, you could say Jesus because you don't want to say. But um,
0: if 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 build the if, definition if, according to Michael Heiser, yes, divine yes. counsel. Let me get it over here where I can read it better. Yeah. The divine council is used by Hebrew and Semitic scholars to refer to the heavenly host, the pantheon of divine beings who administer the affairs of the cosmos. All ancient Mediterranean cultures had some conception of a divine council. The divine council of the Israelite nation known primarily through the Psalms was distinctive in important ways. He offers three things, this six page document, Mm -hmm. textual evidence, monotheism in the Hebrew Bible and the divine council, the divine council, uh, Jewish uh, Biotarianism and New Testament Christology. He offers, let's see, the council was led by El, the same proper name used in the Hebrew Bible for God, and he quotes Isaiah 40, 18, and 43, verse 12, the council of El, the assembly of El, and then Psalm no, that's not. Um he's holding a quite quoting extra biblical here. The Phoenician text such as the keratape inscription also describes
1: the semantic pantheon. I mean he's just got several um well he even wrote a commentary on the book of Enoch. Uh, you know, the, the first yes. you know, the first book of Enoch and all that, which is highly controversial. But so yeah, he has a he has a sort of he'll 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 probably be remembered for this this scholarship more than anything else but if you simply listen to the the naked bible podcast or if you've watched some of his stuff on on youtube you'd find a man that i believe without a doubt i will see in heaven one day and i you know i can't judge one way or the other but i I, if i were to take a wild guess i'd say yeah i'm gonna see michael heiser in heaven one day i think he i think i think i will that doesn't mean i approve or necessarily agree with everything the man says. But I don't agree with, necessarily approve of everything I might have thought twenty five years ago, Chaylon.
0: <laughs> uh, well, th- well, I'm reading this. I've never i did I didn't find this till just now. And There's, I'm, of course, I'm skimming. So let's just keep in mind. I'm yes. I'm I'm skipping, and walking. Um, the
2: divine
0: council meets the abode and meeting place of the divine council. The divine council and its gods meet on the cosmic mountain, the place where the where heaven and the earth intersect and where divine decrees were issued, the structure and bureaucracy of the divine council, the council uh, apparently had four tiers. The tier considered Ellen and his wife. I mean, there, there are some, I didn't really realize this was, he got way out there on this, didn't he? Yeah. I, I guess I did not realize I, you know, I'd heard you talk about it every time I did not read a lot of his divine council stuff. And I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna to have to send this to me to read. I'm gonna to have to email it to me to kind of read through this. Um, but I, I had not um, read through this, and so I, I just sent myself an email to read through this to take a look at it.
1: Well, and uh, I, I will, I will, I will look at. I will give you something, and this is a fellow who's Kenneth Birding. He's from Biola Bible Institute of Los Angeles, yeah. Biola University. It's on his on his blog called the Good Book Blog, and this is from February twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. Why Michael Heiser is probably wrong about Satan in the book of Job. Michael Heiser has done some good academic work during his career as an Old Testament scholar, and I will not hesitate to draw upon his insights in the future. But his view of the heavenly being labeled Hasatan, Hebrew for the the Satan, in the book of Job is probably wrong. What I intend to communicate in this post should not be viewed as a general criticism of all of Heiser's work, nor do I mean to engage his publications broadly in what is, after all, only a blog post, nor have I read all that he has written. Rather, this post should be viewed as one student of the Bible analyzing and gently criticizing one particular idea that has been widely disseminated by another student of the Bible. Such critique is necessary if we who love the Bible are to quote, handle accurately the word of truth, second Timothy two fifteen, end quote. And the way this article is written, I, I read it um I read it yesterday morning. I woke up very early with my back hurting, and so I got up and read this. Uh, We were supposed to record yesterday and some things happened, as you remember, that we weren't able to do it. And, um, you know, this article was well laid out. He gives his his thing for he gives he lists three things regarding what Heiser asserts. He he'll say it. Number one, Heiser asserts that personal names in Hebrew do not include a definite article. Ha, the thus in Job, Satan cannot be a name, but must be a title. And this is what he's calling him. He is the prosecutor or accuser of the saints before God in heaven, and therefore he is Yahweh's. He is Yahweh's Satan because he is Yahweh's created being. But he is a he is a member of that divine council who has a role, and that he is performing this role in the Book of Job. Uh, now, this man's response. Even if we grant that Hashatan and Job is a title rather than a name, this does not necessarily entail that the being referred to is a different being from Satan. In Germany, in the 1940s, someone who spoke of the Fuhrer, German title for leader, would have been employing a title rather than a name, but it was to designate Adolf Hitler. That doesn't necessitate that the speaker was referring to two different entities. In other words, everyone knew when you said the Fuhrer, you meant Adolf Hitler. Number two, Heiser comments that the book of Job does not connect Hasatan to the serpent of Genesis three. Here's this writer's response. It's an argument from silence. There's also no particular reason why the author Job would need to make this connection. Number three, Heiser correctly notes that in most instances where the word Satan shows up in the Bible, it doesn't refer to the devil in the Hebrew Bible, Old Testament. Response, true, but his comment is largely irrelevant to the question at hand. All but four of the passages in which Satan appears are in reference to a human who stands somehow in an oppositional relationship to another human which makes those passages immaterial to the question of the nature of the spiritual being, labeled Ha-Satan and Job. Number four, Heiser claims that since later Jewish writings, that is, after the time of the Old Testament, but before or near the time of the New Testament, portray Satan as a non-human entity opposed to God and God's people. This demonstrates that conceptual development in the direction of viewing Satan as a single God-opposing spiritual being, occurred during the centuries after Job chapters 1 and 2, Zechariah 3, 1 and 2, and 1 Chronicles 2, 11 were written. His response, now this is the one I like the most, what is more likely, that dramatic conceptual development occurred to such a degree that later interpreters fundamentally misinterpreted the Satan character in Job, Zechariah, and Chronicles, or that later Jewish documents inherited and echoed an interpretive worldview already seminally present in Job, Zechariah, and Chronicles? and added to that conceptual base. In other words, it's not more likely that the non-human Satan character was and always had been an evil spiritual being opposed to God and his deeds, and that later documents reflect and develop that reality. So far, I've only negatively responded to Heiser's assertions. Are there positive arguments that Satan in Job is, as the traditional view claims, an evil angel opposed to God, his people, and his work? He gives five reasons for the traditional view, and, of course, it goes to... He ends it with the one in in uh, from the New Testament where it says perhaps more importantly, Satan, also called the devil, is viewed as an evil angel opposing the work of God throughout the New Testament, clear in the gospels in Matthew and Mark, Luke and John, in the writings of Paul, Romans, first first and second Corinthians, and in the book of Revelation. And of this final group, Revelation twelve nine identifies the dragon of Revelation as one and the same being as serpent, who's also the devil, who is also Satan. At the end, he says, you know. Uh, I don't agree with this view, but he's not, but, but Heiser's not the only one that holds it, but I'm just giving you my opinion on why I think he's wrong. I will say.
0: Do you know who was the, wrote a full word or a recommendation of his Unseen Rim book? No. Darrell Bach. Oh, really? the Bach. wrote Ax and Baker. Yeah. I did. I was looking at that while you were reading that, who kind of. You know, I'm always interested to write the forward and who does the recommendations. Sure. I'm always curious to read before I endeavor in the book.
1: And, you know, this writer mentioned that you also have John Walton. Who is the other writer besides Walton who's known for his work on the Old Testament? Oh, I'm sorry. That's somebody like
0: Grant Osborne or something, is it?
1: No, but it's two or three people that he names who hold the same view as um, as Heiser on this subject, and it, it it was interesting. I was like, look, I will say, all I can say about my personal opinions of Michael Heiser was he's called, he did help cause me to think more deeply about certain subjects than I had in the past, and I have found some of his views interesting. I'm, I want to clarify this. Not that I've always thought he was right on every little nook and cranny of his of his theories, but just that I thought they were worth exploring from the point of view of... Well, I'll just put it this way. Another guy whose Old Testament opinions I think highly of, and I do think highly of this man's Old Testament opinions, even if I don't agree with him on ecclesiology. I already mentioned Michael Brown once in this episode. I might as well mention him again. Um, I've seen James White talk to um, Brown about certain things in the book of Isaiah. And I will say that Brown holds similar views, to um Heiser on certain things and both of them have the same type of PhD. Did you know that? It's in Near Eastern and Semitic no language it's they're in Semitic language and Near Eastern history. The reality is is that both of them got their got their PhDs from secular universities. And Heiser has stated that the reason he did that was so he would be forced to have strong opinions and be able to defend his faith and defend his opinions against the world because he put himself in that position. He didn't start out necessarily thinking that was the path he was going to take to do secular colleges. He thought he would probably go to a seminary. And instead, he wound up in secular colleges and he stayed there because he said it actually sharpened him. It actually honed him. It made him have to do more. Look, James White has said he went to a theologically very liberal uh, seminary and is actually grateful that God put him there. He said, I wasn't at the time. But I'm now grateful for it because it has it caused me to know how to debate the liberals because I know what how they think and what they what why they think what they do. He said, and they're good on scholarship; they're just bad on theology. <laughs> well,
0: I think it does, you know. Well, that I think it does one good to read the opposite or study the opposite opinion. You and I talked this week about a book that uh, David Allen, right?
1: Yes, yes. It's coming out.
0: Yeah, it's it's
2: it's, it's out. it is I, out. Know, it's, an, a, it's I think,
0: a, think it would be a good book for all of. Oh, it is out. Yeah, I think it's a good book for those of us that lean toward that or are that when it comes to reform theology to read that book. I mean, I did. There's not. I don't. You know, I have books in my on my shelf. You know, you know, I have one that I don't agree with primarily, but is Dwight J. Cost on a lot of the stuff for the End Times. I don't agree with it. There's there's other books in here. That I'm not going to fully agree with. I've got Lorraine Boatner on on post millennium, you know. I mean, I think it is well known to know that other side of that opinion. I agree. So I understand what they were doing. I just I think he went too far with some things in sure. what he learned out of secular, if that makes sense.
1: Sure. And I think we all could be guilty of that. One of those things is that, like you just said. Sometimes you can get so wrapped up in your headspace that you forget about what are the ramifications of these things that I'm pursuing? Are they actually worth pursuing or not? Now, I will tell you that in this in this um, podcast in which Trey talked to a whole lot of people that he has influenced or that he had uh, befriended, or they are people that have been on the podcast before and a couple of them I'd actually heard on there before where he and where Heiser and they were to either debate or they were talking about a particular subject and Heiser would bring somebody else in. If he thought, I'm not an expert in this field, I'll have someone else come in. It was interesting because one of the people that spoke about him and spoke dearly about him was Michael Brown. He spoke to, he just, in fact, he didn't even introduce him as oh, Michael my. Brown. He just said, uh, Dr. Brown, I'm glad you're here. And he started, and when he, as soon as he started talking and I heard that voice, I was like, ah, Michael Brown. Because I've, I've watched Michael Brown on YouTube. I've watched him on debates, him and James White debating each other, as well as debating together as a team, tag teaming against other people. And Michael Brown is always interesting. Uh, like I say, I don't always agree with him, but... I've got a couple of his books, man, you know. And he's very cordial. Uh, yes, he's very he's cordial. He's very cordial. He's very cordial. And and he's I mean, he has been willing at times to just say, "Hey, you know, you got to test the spirits cuz not everything is of the Holy Spirit because you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in emotionalism and and think that something is a movement of the Holy Spirit and it's a revival and it's this or that. And he's always trying to bring it back down a little bit and say, okay, look, I am a Pentecostal and I do believe in the gifts, but we got to be careful and be have some discernment here. And I, I have always appreciated that about him because he doesn't get too wacky. You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't think
0: he's running around with those guys that are uh living in the mansion's flying their own jet <laughs> no
1: and and also you know he's, willing, he's willing he's willing to he's willing because to cuz they don't want to fly in a tube of demons well and he's a, yeah get a of, and he's also a trinitarian oh that was also Jesse Deplanus oh that was that DePlantis. okay well um also yeah, you know both of them. no no both of them. both of them. well brown is is a is a is a trinitarian okay trinitarian theologian and that's good because while he's also into the sort of apostolic uh, or more charismatic view of of ecclesiology, it gives him an opportunity to talk to the ones that are in oneness. And he's he's actually, like I can say he's pretty hard on his own camp sometimes. He he can say things and get away with things because since he is one of them, it's just like I can I feel like I can say and criticize Baptists because I am one. So therefore, I have a right to like really, really go off on the Baptists more than I do other denominations. And as you well know, we are more critical often on this on this on this program of fellow Baptists than we are others because it's it's the it's it's the it's the style of worship that we know. It's the ecclesiology that we know. It's the it's the theology that we know. And if we see them polluting it or 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 distorting it or doing something wrong, it makes us have a little bit of righteous indignation, a little bit of anger towards that. And I want to correct them. I don't want to disown them and hate them. I want them to get right. And then if they're wrong, I want them out. Because if they are wrong and they are heretics, I want false prophets. I want the wolves in sheep's clothing out of the sheep pen, you know?
0: The older I get, the more curmudgeon I become, I've decided. I love that word. And secondly, the less I care about being a denomination.
1: Oh, I know. I know. I mean that, that you and know, when I say Baptist I say know, the Christ, fact so that you I and I, mean, I have always not always but a good portion of the time especially since we've known each other we've both been affiliated with Southern Baptist Convention affiliated churches Absolutely. And, and have served in those we've had positions in those you know we've had jobs within those churches where we were asked and we can't
2: to can't do you still.
1: Yeah, held offices in and whatnot. Churches. Yeah. Um
0: but and I say that because you look at the Methodist Church. We talked about a little bit this morning. It is it is just gone a haywire. The, mm-hmm. the SBC just did the first thing that I've known them to do in quite a while to stand on a biblical principle that was they were confronted with. Yeah, and that was the the saddlebag. Now who who knows what's going to happen in June when they go to New Orleans to have the other convention? Because Rick Warren has already said he's going to be there to make a cave. So there's a possibility that they reinstate them in New Orleans if they get the votes.
1: That's true. I mean, um, you. That is true. You, I, I read an article yesterday so, from the New York Times that was uh, dated February 21st, and it talks about that that they have a they have a right to um, to um, appeal, and when they meet in twenty yes. when they meet and it said where they're meeting is it New Orleans. This year? Um, it's New
0: Orleans, the best I remember.
1: Yeah, it says, it says um, at the convention's larger meeting in 2022, Southern Baptists debated whether to oust Saddleback. Mr. Warren spoke from the floor, delivering a valedictory love letter, in quotes, to the denomination, but seeming to stand by his church's approach. In quote, quote, again, we have to decide, he said, if we will treat each other as allies or adversaries. And now the concluding thing is, Saddleback and the other churches will have an opportunity to appeal the committee's decision this summer at the next annual gathering which takes place in new orleans so yeah it's in new orleans this summer uh did they meet in june is that when they usually meet in june isn't it Yeah, i was going to think I'm, it was
0: i'm pretty sure it's the, it's historically in june
1: well you know they ordained three but women
0: they'll meet in june.
1: well you know yeah, they, that
0: was why rick Warren was there yeah in
1: 2021 when he was still the preaching pastor
0: yeah, I, I mean
1: they had an ordination service where they ordained three women there yeah, and they they said this yeah, is an historic event they call it not, the time.
0: Yeah, he it's not these new people. It, it's 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 not new there. I mean that's the that's the thing. This it wouldn't like it happened when the new people got here. No. It, it's been going on. It, it
1: was it started under Warren himself, uh and it, it had his blessing. Um I we're two years removed yeah. from twenty twenty one. Wow. I know, is that isn't that strange? Listen to this quote from the, from the article. Though Saddleback was affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, the church did not use the word Baptist in its name or foreground any connection to the denomination. Mr. Warren rarely attended denominational meetings. Saddleback's website lists Mr. Wood as the only lead pastor, but refers to pastors Andy and Stacy Wood. Miss Wood has preached at the church as recently as January 22nd. When she delivered a sermon on, now listen to this. This is a quote. This is the title of her sermon. How our inner thoughts can propel our growth instead of hinder it. Where's the gospel? Where's there any mention of the cross, of sin, faith, or repentance? Where, where's the, where, where is any of the gospel there? How our inner thoughts can propel There's our growth really instead of hinder Christ. it. That's New Ageism, dude. That's, that's spiritualism as a, or spiritism as opposed to actual Christian spirituality, which, by the way, I will talk about later. <laughs>
0: Well, the the, the the moment we decide to grow a church mm-hmm. and not stick with Scripture, we're going to abandon Scripture. Absolutely. A- because absolutely. if we worry about our growth, men's growth, if I were to read, you know, I know people recommend him. I used to have the books around here. I'm pretty sure they made it till to file 13. Um, was John C. Maxwell Church Growth? And you read these books, and it's never about... Preach the gospel, preach the scripture, to rightly divide the whole council. It's never that. It's always programs, plans. I mean you program people to death. It's ridiculous. Just when when it's your turn and you and the music is done and the worship of God, because that's an important part of the service, you're singing praises, singing worship. And when that singing of worship gets done, and it's time to rightly divide the word, you should uh, you should be ready to go take notes. And if you're the pastor, you should be ready to go to rightly divide that council wherever you may be in the word of God.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It, 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 that's why I say that 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 t- I wanted to read that title to y'all because that that was when I read that article in the New York Times. I thought this was what she quote preached on, on January twenty second of this year was. How our inner thoughts can... Oh my goodness! This is just... Yeah, you can do. You do you, and make yourself better. This is holistic healing, folks. You know, we're gonna. This is got nothing to do with the gospel. It's got nothing to do with as you just said, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, you know, that's not the only church they kicked out though, right?
0: Just took mine. Yeah, well, no, there was a couple. I should have just took my sermon from a couple weeks ago and just said problem with people, but he was okay. You need to just pander with
1: their thoughts. I mean, <laughs> she's okay, no, people. the perplexity of Paul was why have you abandoned the truth so easily? <laughs> Who has bewitched you, right? Yeah, we made it. A,
0: we we made it through a record number of of passages in the
1: first week, didn't we? Yeah, how <laughs> many? We made it so quickly. <laughs> yeah, how, yeah, that's it. I am amazed that you've so quickly. That's it, and that was it.
2: That yep. was it. That, that was all we got.
1: So, yeah, it did remove a few—SBC did remove mean. a few other churches. They were all over the same issue, except for one. They were all over the idea of putting women in, in leadership. One of them, by the way, was was from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. It was, a, it was a church here in Louisville, Kentucky. and um, What about um, Orlando? Yeah, that, that, that Florida church was over a sex abuse case, right?
0: Is it? No, there yeah. was
1: one— First
0: Baptist Orlando, wouldn't they on the same women preacher
1: and um, in the pulpit? Well I don't know if the, it doesn't say that they were removed. It just says there was a Florida church removed I mean, over I handling I mean, of they a sexual. Pro- no, maybe you're I'm right. No, no, you're wrong. Remember last month we talked about Orlando First Baptist. They were talking about uh, gay and transgender, especially gay and transgender people That's within it, the church. It, it's, 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 yes. Okay. When we were talking about when we were dissecting Andy Stanley, Wonder
0: how many are going to stand firm on that yeah, when
1: yeah. we were when we were dissecting Andy Stanley, we also mentioned that guy because that guy has held positions, yeah, that's right, you know in the in Nam the north American mission, yeah. mission,
0: Board. There's another guy that went off his rockers david Platt.
1: oh has yeah has he gone down? I don't know, I don't keep up with him,
0: he went down the wokeism. he went down the um no I, no, I didn't. Transgender. I mean, he, he kind of went down some weird paths. I didn't realize weird that. Weird paths. Yeah. He kinda,
1: I've never been a fan, and no, I don't own any of his books, but just, just, I mean, I know some people that have had them, and they're not all bad, I think. You no, know, I tell
0: you what, I have some of those that somebody had given me who shall remain nameless.
1: Well, I was going to say. Those
0: commentaries. Yeah. I was those commentaries? Yeah, I thought oh, he'd God, done some. Man, I, I'd be more than happy to gift them to you. Oh, no, that's okay. I, I mean, I'll get some good Look, You got a spot up there by Missiology up there that you know,
1: they'll, fit, they'll, they'll fit there. Look, guy, when it comes to commentaries, you know how I am. There's only a handful of commentaries. Is Millard
0: up there now?
1: Um, He's upstairs. Did Millard make the shelf? No, upstairs, because it's so cold down here and it's wintertime, I've not been coming down here to the basement much. So I've got a. A, a small shelf next to my bed, and that's the books that I'm currently reading on. I'm I'm currently uh, rereading *The Forgotten Trinity* by James White, a book on the pres- history of the presidency, and the book that you gifted me. Go ahead and tell them what it was. It's
0: *Millard Erickson
1: Christian Theology*, Christian Theology, it's and systematic it is a theology. systematic I mean, theology one-volume edition. Because you've got the old-fashioned multi-volume edition. Well,
0: I actually no. Somehow that was a pure accident on my part, and I gifted Roy. Because I have the expanded three-volume set that I bought in the library, and I knew I had that. Right. And then, but I had to have the third edition. That's it's in my other library downstairs. Which is one of those one-volume sets. Yeah, I had to have a single-volume set for for seminary, and I had bought the one the single-volume set because we had to quote it and uh, we had to quote it and reference it a whole lot. So. I wanted to make sure I had to write one. next updated a few things. I uh, think the third edition. um, So I had to buy it. But when I, I actually accidentally bought the first one, the second edition next, which is what you ended up with, because I'm like, I don't need all three editions of this thing. <laughs> so and, and and to be honest, with you, that's what happens with us a lot, in libraries, Because I remember the Kittle incident. Remember that with
1: me? Okay. On the yeah. I that was a, that was an eBay. Mis- you needed something from eBay, but the only way to get it was to get the was to get more of the whole set.
0: <laughs> I, I needed volume seven, I think one two three yeah seven of Kittle. Um, I'm, the reason I know it's only one with the book cover up there, and uh, I needed volume seven, and I found volume seven in a set, and I could buy the set for like thirty bucks. Yeah. The problem was it was a set. Well, I had the rest of them. So I'm like, so you have a set missing volume seven. Right. <laughs> Long story short. Yeah. So, I, and uh, and they were in great shape. I mean, it was a steal. Really?
1: Well, that brings us to our third topic, which is that we I have all. have no
0: idea how we even got on that.
1: We always do a little thing called what's in your library or what are you reading? And uh, I'll go first because mine's very short today. Uh, last time I had nothing to report. Mine actually is too. Last time I had nothing to report. This time, I have something to report. Christian Spirituality by uh, uh, McGrath. Uh, what's his name? What's his first name? Oh, Alistair. Alistair McGrath. Alistair McGrath. McGrath. Yeah, yeah. I
0: always think of, you, you may know the reference to this movie, Bloodbath McGrath. I don't know if you ever remember <laughs> that, the the reference to that movie. That is an obscure movie, okay. really. You remember the movie? No, I don't. I don't. It was uh, Will Smith, The Wild Wild West. Oh. oh, it was the guy that played his
1: Kenneth Branagh. Oh, what was that? Huh? You talking about the villain? The villain is Kenneth Kenneth Branagh.
0: No, who played his partner? Kevin Klein. He played Wes. Kevin... Yeah, that's it. He played yeah, yeah, and so yeah, the 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 general that was there was Bloodmath McGrath. He Ac- had
1: the, little Academy, for the Academy Academy award-winning Kevin Klein from back when the days when the Oscar actually meant something because we won't go there anymore with Woke Hollywood, but anyway. Uh, he had
0: the little remember he had
1: that little yes the little funnel for his thing. yeah that was yeah that's that's to. Kenneth Branagh who by the way was the director of the first Thor movie that you like so much really yeah oh, I love the Thor movies haven't yeah. watched the new one haven't either don't know that I want to it's a little I think it got a little woke too but then they all uh so Mandalorian
0: season three listen watch Mandalorian season three phenomenal
1: you know what I knew that was on and forgot all about it last week. i, You're I two I'm, episodes behind. I know, me. I'm two episodes behind. I was going to ask you if you'd watched any of them yet.
0: Oh, yep, didn't watch it all. You know me when it comes out. I'm an OCD. You should have sent me a text and said, out. hey,
1: Roy, Mandalorian's on. I didn't even know it was on. Well, hadn't been a good couple weeks. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But, yeah, I, I didn't realize. But there's, uh, I did pick up that book um, and uh, a book on uh, the, the uh, U.S. presidency. A uh, short book, and I'm currently reading one that I already had on the U.S. presidency. And then I got one other little collectible. You know, I told you last time I had picked up a few, a few uh, uh, U.S. coins from the old days, uh, back when they actually had real metals in them, you know, silver and things like that. Well, and I had no books, but oh, I, did, yeah. I did get those books. But I picked something up, and I didn't have it because it's in the dishwasher, so I can't show it to you. But you know how I am about my coffee mugs. I have a Papa Smurf coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently drinking out of my Millennium Falcon, Han Solo. Han Solo and Chewbacca.
0: I don't don't know that I have. The only two that I think I've got was actually two. I think they were a dollar apiece is the reason I found them. And I I found them because I was actually looking for something else. I was actually, uh, I was looking for Daryl Box. Axe and found this book. That I think I found it for I found it for less than $5, way less than $5. But it's the three views of the millennial and millennium and beyond.
2: Yeah, you told me uh, about that I'm on
0: like, the phone. Uh, it, it, well, and it's I've got several of these uh, it's Counterpoints in Biblical Theology by Zondervan. Right. It, it's kind of a little series and I've, I've got several of them.
1: Is Bach the and editor I, or did he, he a contributor?
2: For,
0: Bach is the Bach, no, Bach is the editor and Stanley uh, Gundry is a series and it's contributors by Craig Blassing, Kenneth Gentry, uh, and Robert Strample.
1: Is Gentry is he from the Master Seminary? Or am I thinking of someone else?
0: Uh-huh. I don't remember. I'm trying to say don't tell anything
1: about it. I was the thinking there was a gentry experience. who who taught New Testament or something at but I, I could have that wrong. Don't don't quote me on that.
0: Well, and the other one I got, I I found this one looking for. Um, I I know what I was looking for. I was trying to buy. Uh, Boatner Catholicism, this is what I was trying, I, I like little little Boatner. I enjoy reading him, mm-hmm. and he wrote a book. The and you see the cover. It's like a circus.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: The meaning of, of the, the Millennial. millennial. Yeah. And, the meaning of the millennium it's the four views by Robert Klaus, edited by Robert Klaus, contributors by George Ladd, Herman Hoyt, Lorraine Boatner, and Anthony Holcomb. How'd you say Holcomb? Is that right? H O E K E M A? I think it was so, Holcomb, yeah.
1: And I think and it was right, and so Boatner would be your post meal. Uh Ladd is your pre meal, your classical pre meal. So yeah, who was who your who is your who, who is your who is your all
0: millennial Sensational's Hoyt. Mm. Uh, Holcomb.
1: Okay. See, I don't and know who then Hoyt is. is.
0: Is historical. However, this guy that I bought it from, I'm jealous of. Uh
1: huh.
0: I want one of these library stamps. They Do it with stamps and embosses it. Oh, they're so amazing.
1: Okay, can you see this? Sorry. What's that? Yeah. When I retired in 2017, a friend of mine, a fellow officer, was also a by-vocation pastor of a small Baptist church there in that county where I was a parole officer. And uh, he gifted me this. He had this made for me. This is awesome. And it says, um, library of... Barry. That's right. Well, awesome. It's awesome. So, okay,
0: while well, I've got you then. Yeah. What... Am I, okay, I know these two books I'm supposed to bring you. What was the third one?
1: The one is on uh, uh, prayer. That's it there, right? Calling on okay. the name of the Lord?
0: There's the rapture.
1: Uh, the rapture. Doug, what was the third one? Oh, uh, I probably wanted to read them. I think it was one of your new ones, so it was probably the meaning of the millennium. It was the
0: it was this one, wasn't it? Oh, it was the it? three it was
1: views. Yeah, millennium and beyond, the three views, because I like those, I okay. like the debates. Have... The debate ones are the ones I like. They're basically yeah, written so debates. Here. You get a, one person gives a yeah. view, and then they all rebut. And then that person that gave the view on the first one gets to rebut the next guy, and they all get to rebut. And yeah. I like that. because that's like here that, in, in this I used that is, book on justification I'm, that's in Lagos, the ones we have on justification. I used that for the, the, the Sunday school class while you were gone.
0: Well, the post-millennial is Kenneth Gentry. All millennials Robert Strimple. Three millennials, Craig Blasting. And then responses by the other two, and then a summary essay by Daryl
1: Bach. So Gentry is post millennial. Yeah, really thought I would
0: get out of the intertestamental period today too. By the way, didn't happen.
1: No, you came close. You didn't quite finish your uh, slideshow, but you can finish that next week. It's okay, though.
0: I'm done with that slideshow, but no, see it builds every week. So we started out ground zero and. So it would really grow into a curriculum that if I ever taught it again, my curriculum set. It's already set up. What I give you all for handouts, I could make one gigantic book of hand to the class at the first and go, this is your book. Make sure to bring it back as you come back. Uh, So essentially it's building a curriculum.
1: Well, let me ask you this question. I can ask you this offline, but I'll just go and do it on this podcast since it has to do with the podcast as well. Uh, Did you, did your friend ever ship you that stuff?
0: I got to go pick it up. Uh, him and I have another project going on.
1: Okay, the, I didn't uh, realize you were going to go physically
0: pick it up. Objects. Yeah. The,
1: the sharp <laughs> objects. So I've got to go see him. That's pretty and, cool. Uh, I can't wait till that becomes a reality. That's practicing. pretty cool, man. You talking about what we're doing, him and I? Yeah. I do think yeah, that's
0: cool. I can't, disclose. I can't disclose right now what we're doing. Right. We're in the process of developing uh, some products. That's good. Uh, we we've got some between my contacts and what I do and his contacts in that industry. Uh-huh. We have been approached about some mass production of some really sharp objects. Yep. So we'll see we'll see where it goes. We've been dealing with this for a few months. We're still it just takes a while to develop a new absolutely thing to yeah. market. And when we go to market with this, we want to. We want to be ready to to go to market with it, and be ready to go to market with it. That way, it's not we don't take something uh, halfway presentable to market. It's we not a half baked.
1: So, it's not a half baked product. It's already a fully formed. One. But, yeah.
0: But anyway, I've got to go to him, uh, and and we could say honestly what we're gonna what we're we're getting ready to do. Um, I have approval to do it. Um, uh, I have been gifted a soundboard, uh, which we already possessed one for the podcast, right? I have been gifted a soundboard that we, uh, are going to record Sunday school with, and we are going to record it both video and audio.
1: And I got to say um, amen to that because I've been looking forward to this. This will be good. So we'll, I got a, um, possibly,
0: I think, you know, it may start out audio, but we're trying to get into it. By the time we want to start it with Acts, was my goal, yeah. is to maybe make some test runs, the New Testament survey. But when we begin the book of Acts, that is our beginning, and it goes. And, and so what I would like to do, and I haven't talked to you about this, but somehow we come up with a way to develop it to where on our website, we could take those and store those like MacArthur does, in that's Acts, and then chapter one, and then Acts chapter, then here's everything in chapter one. And, you know, yeah, we we'll can do get that. to that but you could use it as a study form uh and we may even you know you can get some software really cheap that takes what i say and trans you know transcribes it into written form into pdf somebody could use Uh, you know we just our our goal when we set out to do this was to get a teaching ministry out but it was a teaching ministry that taught the bible and that's and that's what we do when we record. We talk about yeah, current topics and current things. But but we also have we our also series that we do and...
1: on various things like like baptism. Yes. We've done it on. Um, well, why can't I think of any subjects? <laughs> well, we've done it on Bible right. translations. We've, we've done it on. The, other we did the first one on soteriology,
0: and and we just haven't had to get back to it because the guest lineup hasn't worked out.
1: Yes. like we we've been
0: trying to get the guests back, and we've had Christmas, we've had yeah. Thanksgiving. And then we turned a corner the first of the year and then, you know, there was various things going on at church and, and we had the, you filled in for me for many, many weeks while marriage seminar was going on at church. I've been sick. What, You've had
1: days. sickness. Uh, right
0: now my wife is sick. sick. <laughs> first time in 42 years. And you know, yeah. so it, it's just been a lot of, of different things that have went on in the last little bit, but so, yeah, so that's what we're doing. We're going to do the recording of it and have it going by acts because we're right now, As you, if you heard me joke this morning, we finished up um, Oh my, Hasmonean period. The Hasmoneans, yeah. We've through the, we started out very brief in Babylonian. Then we went to Persian. Then, then we went to the Greeks. Greek. Now we're in Hasmonean, and then we're going to go back into, we're going to do Rome. Uh, I should be able to get done within a week. I, you know, the only thing that scares me if I camp on pilot, because you know how I am, yeah, with Pilate, where yeah. I had to write pretty much a
2: dissertation
0: on Pont- Pontius Pilate. I have a whole book on nothing but Pontius Pilate by Helen Bond. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know. So, um, I, I think we'll move through it fairly quick. I, I will, you know, give quite a bit on Pilate because he he's one of those players, uh, one of those uh, players in the New Testament that he he's one of the only stories found in all four Gospels. Right. Uh, yeah, there's only a handful of those that are mentioned, and, and then with and then wrong. within
1: this period, that leads you right into the whole survey of the New Testament, where you're going to say you're going to talk about the books, the types of literature that's found in the New Testament, and then you're going to give an overview, like a from a bird's eye view of of each book, who the author is, around what time they believe it was written, et cetera, et cetera, and then we go to Acts, and that's going to be good.
2: Huh. Our first week of
0: New Testament survey, I know they're going to say we're in the Bible, and we're actually probably going to do the
1: canonicity on how things become
2: canon. <laughs> uh, well, I am just when you had me do it, when you
1: had me filling in... And I did justification. It was like every other week was a what I call an info dump. It was just history. And then the other the next week would be actual, look look at scripture. What does it say? And then the next week would be, the reason I did these scriptures the previous week was because this is the debate that went on about those scriptures. I had a purpose to it, but it didn't always turn out exactly like I planned.
0: The only thing that cracked me up at the class and nobody said anything, it was you. They don't get the fancy slideshows like you do. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: no. No. You, uh, I you know what? I have more fun, honestly, this is kind of how big of a dork I am, putting those together as I do anything else. And and you know, people don't get credit for this, but you know, I recommend pastors don't hide your sources. You know, like, I try to tell them every week where I'm pulling everything from. It's a work site. I mean, there's essentially a work cited at the page that you can flip to and see where I'm getting everything.
1: You don't know. What's going on with me and why? why that just made me smile? Uh, was to cite your sources? Oh my goodness! There's. Do you know about the little bickering going back and forth between Master Seminary and James White? No. Um, Talk about John
0: MacArthur, Master Seminary.
1: Yeah. Peter said. Peter Salmons had an online course in which somebody on Twitter. Um, I want to thank. Did he plagiarize James White? R.C. Sproul and a whole bunch of people. Well, see, and he just put I, it. just—it's not James, and it's not John MacArthur that did it. It's this guy named Peter Sammons. and he—and the thing was that Sammons and he had already been debating each other on the whole Thomist stuff. Matt, this guy is one of the people at Masters, affiliated with Masters, who's a little bit classical theism. He, in other well, words, they, well, Thomas Aquinas if type he's stuff.
0: Disappeared off Twitter. Who like, has? Peter Sammons used to be heavy on Twitter. And I don't see nothing from him anymore.
1: Well, what happened was they took his stuff off of off of off of offline after it was pointed out by this guy on Twitter. and then they put a DMCA, which stands for Digital Millennial Copyright Act. And James White did a whole episode about it, well, not the whole episode, but about but about over I'd say sixty five, seventy percent of the episode was devoted to this, and he said, I'm going to catch heat for this, and I know that. It would be easier for me to just shut up because I'm so closely attached to them. And then he talked about his past. James White teaches for them. I did not know that. Did you know that Masters Masters Academy International, remember how he's talked about being in Kiev and how he has friends over there? That's who he's teaching for. That's Yeah, it was Masters. I didn't even know that. He said, I may never be asked to... He said, if they want to be vindictive, they could ask me never to, to teach for them again and to shut up. But he said... I feel like I have to say this, cite your sources. It can't be that hard, you know, and his basic view was your response was that, okay, you took it down and you said that it was a software glitch. He said, my only worry about that is how could Dr. Sammons be up there teaching it and not realize, hey, where's my notes? Where's the footnotes? Where's the reference? Where, why are there no references here? Why are not there no quotation marks around these things that, are, that should be bracketed off because I'm quoting other people? James White said it was integrated you into the what? text. In Look, other words, I'm, I'm he just said things as if it was his, his work, and it was actually people like Archie Spro and he mentioned some other people as well.
0: Well, see, and one thing that we're taught to do, that seminary teaches us to do, you know, I don't want to stand up there and quote a bunch of people, you know, just, and such and such says, and such and such says. But at the end of the day, a sermon is essentially, you're regurgitating your study. And if I put something in my own words, a lot of times, even in my sermon notes, if I take what they said in my own words, they still get credit for it. I still have to cite that. Yeah. It may be a whole paragraph, but when you cite it at the end of that paragraph, then that lets you know that pretty much that whole thing was from that source. And it, you may have roy, you know, royized it or chalenized it. That's not a word, but you catch my drift. Yeah. And when I say that, we're just putting it in common vernacular, that, yeah. that people that we're teaching understand.
1: But you still have but to I say where you got the that source. Yes, you still have to say it's a tributary. It came downstream from there, and you have to say, I gleaned this from this, and here's my sources. And that's all James White was saying. They should have been there. He said this young man, whoever this person was on this Twitter site that does this stuff, he said he obviously put many, many hours into it. Well, he, well masters made him cease and desist and take that stuff down. So now the video's not up anymore, and now the link's not up anymore, and the, Twitter, the tweet's been taken out based on this copyright thing. And he said, so what are you doing? Is Masters University now saying that this work by Salmons is their copyright? How can you copyright something that you've already admitted you had to take down because it was plagiarism? He said, come on, guys, the optics are bad. He said, that's all I'm saying. The optics are bad. Take the DMCA away and let the guy put his uh, stuff back up. Rightly so, he criticized your, the, the, your guy's work. You know, Salmon's work. And that's a rightful thing for him to do. And as a, you know, as a scholar and also as a Christian, you should just take the blumps and say, okay, I messed up. Whatever happened, somebody messed up. But he said, but again, you have to understand that I'm also going to look bad on this by bringing this up because there is that argument going on between him and Salmons, which is that Salmons uh, uh, accuses James White of being a part of EFS and he accuses Salmons of being a Thomist, you know. Uh, Whatever. Well, keep in mind. I mean, and, and, and then you're... okay. Yeah, I'm move okay. And, and then, then your guy. He drives
0: no sermons and then get in trouble.
1: Well, and then your guy uh, too wretched for radio. Johnson, uh, uh, Johnson, Phil Johnson. Phil. Johnson. I yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I read the Facebook quote from September of last year where he jumped all over James White.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I guess I missed that. Yeah. On the Facebook. What, he said he, he was doing? making.
1: He said James is making too big a deal out of it, out of this, uh, out of causing, calling everybody to be Thomists when they're not necessarily Thomist. And I hope people can, they can't, they can't see a quotation of what I'm saying. But I'm saying T H O M I S T, Thomists, meaning that you are a follower of Thomas Aquinas, the Doctor of the Roman Catholic Church. By the way, the guy that kind of wrote the the rules on transubstantiation. So. You know, I guess you keep what you want to keep, which is his his view of the the inseparability and 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 all that on on God as monotheistic, but also trinitarian. But I'm just going to tell you, man, um, I I can't really glean anything from Thomas Aquinas and most of those scholastics from the Middle Ages. Nor do I want to. Nor do I want to. He really was just he was Roman Catholic through and through.
0: I don't know where this started at. I don't either. There's like this obsession. Seminaries have went berserk so i'm i'm I just finished up there's uh, one or
1: two of them at, my second, uh, at at southern in louisville as well oh uh, you get go to go to liberty really I just finished up
0: i just finished up my second uh um the um systematic theology class and if I have to read a thomas quote one more time, I'm going to puke <laughs> i mean I got sick of it i mean I'm not a thomas guy. I, I am not a, a Thomas Aquinas guy, not at all. Would I would I read him? I don't mind it, but I'm not going to find myself agreeing with much of Thomas Aquinas. And I know he gets a lot of credit. I had rather le- read Luther. Um, I had much rather read Calvin. There, I had much rather read John Owen. I had, he, just keep going down these old. I, here's one I'd rather read. My my my. My guy here, in the, the the Richard Baxter. I'd rather read any of these guys if I'm going to read. Oh, here's another one. I'd rather I'd rather sit down and read the marrow of theology, right, right here by William Ames.
1: <laughs> I'm not reading Thomas Aquinas.
0: I'm I'm just I'm me not neither. In, I'm I'm just not. I'm just not. I've got there.
1: a I've got a book that summarizes some of Aquinas's stuff and uh, stuff on the Summa and all that. But as far as me ever going to read Summa Theologia or any of the other works by him, I, I do have a. Oh, I didn't tell you this. I did pick up a, <laughs> I did. Did I tell you this? I did. I do have a. I do have a Thomas Aquinas book. I'm sorry, I forgot. I do have. One. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me about you. <laughs> it's not the Summa Theologia. It's a different book. But anyway, um, this is from. This is okay. This is now. Remember, this is from six months ago. It's, this is a guy on, on uh, his his handle is chublaka681. Not confirmed, but I do know that the masters hosted James Dolezal for either chapel, speaking, or lectures, or both. So I'm guessing James White and company are attacking masters for taking the side of the classical theist in the Aquinas versus EFS debate that's been heating back up. This is from Johnson's public Facebook post. It makes it sound like that's the case. This is a quote from from Phil Johnson. This whole diatribe is a lot of bluster that amounts to a cheap shot attack on those of us who want to hold the line on classic theism. And he puts in parentheses, divine timelessness, impassibility, and Nicene Trinitarianism untainted by neo-subordinationism. Now, I don't know if he's trying to say that James White is a neo-subordinationist, but James White is not a subordinationist. To him, all three persons of the Trinity are equal, right? Right? They just have different roles. That's the whole point of what the Trinity is. It's easier for James to label his adversaries Thomist and Platonist than it is for him to defend the problems created by EFS and possibility. And I don't know if James ever responded to that or anything like that. I don't have this. This, this is Reddit, and I don't know anything about Reddit, and this was just the public side of it. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not on uh-huh. any social media, so I have no way to see all the different responses and stuff. But uh, I have
0: to do some digging
1: into that because, but but I'm with James White on the whole Thomas thing. I'm sick of it. I want it to go away because it's causing a lot of people to come across as really arrogant and hateful and rude. And it's like, if you're not with us, then then you can't defend the Trinity. If you've read The Forgotten Trinity by James White, which all these guys used to to love that book and quote it, including some people that wrote comment, you know, wrote recommendations for his book when that came out 20 years ago, are now saying James White. Is is like not a real reformed person because he's not into Thomas. Come on, hogwash. You know what Thomas would want for all reformed people that they be burned at the stake as heretics. He said that that anyone that didn't that didn't uh, 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 hold to the to the papal infall not infallibility but supremacy and all of that and didn't hold to all the different doctrines of the Catholic Church were heretics. Well, n- there's no Protestant that holds to the, all the things of the Catholic Church. It's why we're Protestants. I'm not going to make a hero I, out of a guy that. Would take twelve hundred pages to write something that could be summed up in twenty. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, but long-windedness is long-windedness. <laughs> we should know. We're long-winded.
0: <laughs> yeah, I started to say. I, as you said that, I looked up, and I mean, we'll have to edit some of this now. But we're at the hour
1: thirty-five minute mark, and we were going to do a short one. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, listen. Uh, uh, it's been fun, though. There's nothing. There's nothing we've said, and I don't think we've said anything heretical today. So that's a good thing
0: always good
1: i'm just uh, no i you just
0: know, you know I'm gonna, but you say that in jest i mean you and i've had this conversation before um you think of how we would have described the trinity as an early christian trying to battle that
1: i probably would have said been.
0: things that entered into your critical realm but not on purpose
1: yes i would say I probably mean. if i had tried to define my view of trinitarianism uh fit even 15 years ago, 10 or 15 years ago, I might have been what most people would call a modalist and didn't even know it. But that didn't make me me personally a heretic. Yeah, I've always believed in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but I just don't know how to describe them. It's taken listening to people like Sproul and James, James White, White and others who have made it more clear to me, you know? Even Gerald yeah, Bray, an who's an yeah. Anglican, he's very good on, de- on defending the Trinity. I don't know if you know who Gerald Bray is, but he's a church historian and a, and a, and a theologian. and, and um, There's that series of commentaries where it takes old church fathers and old things. Didn't and I, he edits that series.
0: Did I, not, did I not quote, I may have left out a source today after I said that? No, I didn't have to slide in there. What's that? B-R-A-H.
1: B-R-A-H. Bray. Uh, um, no. It's B-R-A-Y. Bray.
0: Uh, No, I took the slide out. Never mind. I I know what you're talking about now. I know who you're talking about. I had a different one, and I took a slide out, but it's a different guy. Yeah.
1: History of of Christian Theology, God Has Spoken, Gerald Bray, from Crossway Publications. This is a, man, this is a book. Yeah, by the way, that book you gave me, you gifted me, will be sitting next door to this one, because they're both... Theology, this one is historical theology, and the other one's systematic theology. He has a companion book to this of his own systematic theology, but I don't own it. I'm going to get it.
0: Well, I, I literally, the other day, you're going to laugh. I, my books are spread out amongst three floors. And
1: <laughs> well, mine are on two floors now. So
0: mine are spread out against three floors, and I have my main office, and then down in the basement, um, there's some more stuff, which is where my office is going to be. Uh, and then not so distant future, but still in the distant future, uh, there's totes down there full. But I was looking for books for they and like to have never, I had to go through totes, another closet that's nothing but books. I like to have never found what I was looking for. Yeah, And you know where it was? What's that? On my desk. It was laying on my desk. I went through all that.
1: Oh, wow. And yeah. it was
0: on my desk where I'd already found it and set it out and forgot about it.
1: That would be like one day, I'm going I'm to tell this story, and it's 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 kind of going to sound like I'm being rude, but she tells it and laughs all the time. Um, about two months ago or so, my wife and I, she was on the phone, I think, with either her father or one of our kids, and we had driven home from church, and, and we're, she's going inside. She's using her key to unlock the door. Now, again, granted, she's on the phone. She has it up to her ear. And I'm getting out, and I'm getting ready to lock the door, and she goes, oh, oh, don't lock it. I don't know where my phone is. I don't think I got uh-huh. my phone out of the car. And I said. I start laughing at her. She goes, what? I go, you're on the phone, Sandy. (laughs) And then she started laughing. uh, It happens. I
0: know somebody that was one day looking for their phone with the flashlight on their phone. So,
1: (laughs) So, there's that. Well, Well, listen, man, uh, uh, probably in the next few days, I'll post this. I love you. I will post this and then I'm going to also post um, uh, you know, over the last few weeks, you preached a two part series and I'm going to post those as well. Uh, you Not know? on
0: purpose. I was supposed to be in one song.
1: <laughs> I, I it make was, that up. it was very good and I'm going to post that and then I'm going to have some other bonus materials coming up with preaching, but also some, uh, a few little things I've got a a rant or two and probably a Roy recommends to come as well. So we'll be posting some extra stuff and then you and I will get back together in the next two to three weeks. I'm sure before the end of March, we will, we will record again and uh, get something else out. If not surely within the first week of April. And um, we will, um, I want to put justification on the menu. I have all my notes from the class and that can begin our, our study on soteriology that, that we started last year and I probably will repost the um, the episode just so to be newer in the feed when we do start it, I'll probably post it the same day as the first as the first episode on on justification. That way they they go together in the feed because if not, it's already almost been almost a year since we posted that. It was like March or April of last year when we posted that episode that was supposed to begin soteriology. <laughs> so yeah, we're way behind on that one. And other than that, um, lightning in a bottle. That's right. All right, dude. You take care of yourself, and I will see you. See you, bud. All right.